everyone. It's so good to have all of you joining us this week. And uh, let me just say, um, a lot of you have been asking me the question of when are we going back in the building? Because you've heard the president say he wants churches meeting. You've heard the governor in Florida and Alabama opening things up. And let me just tell you, we are working on that process every day. Because if there's any person who would love for all of us to be able to gather again at our different locations, um, I promise you, that is one of the top prayers I pray every day. Um, in fact, every Sunday morning when I come to speak, um, it really breaks my heart. Um, every morning when I come into the building on the Mariana campus and I pray over all of our campuses, um, I always shed tears uh, because you, you're not having that opportunity together. And um, it's a big deal to me. I want you to know that. Um, but we have a unique uh, challenge as a church um, because you guys have had such great impact at all of our locations. Um, our Mariana campus, we're having to figure out how do you put 800 people uh, in a building with the still required social distancing and the masking and all the sanitation stuff on Bluntstown. We're trying to figure out how do you put 600 people in a building with that and Chipley, how do you put 200 people in a building that's as small a campus to have? So we're working with that with all of our campus with Fairhope, trying to figure out how do, how do we do that? And also, you know our model, uh, man, we're about partnering with parents. And so, for example, on Mariana campus, how do you take 150 kids and, and do the social distancing stuff they're asking for? Or um, on our Bluntstown campus, how do you take 100 kids? So those are, those are all complications that we're really looking at. So our governor and our president are just like gung-ho like, you know, saying on the front side, when we want you to open and we want that, uh, there are some stipulations that are still be, uh, that we're having to deal with. And uh, just know, um, Tuesday morning, we're having another meeting and talking about how the, that could be possible again. So that conversation is basically happening every day and, uh, and know that um, we want that probably, I, I know I do more than you do. So um, thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your enduring patience during this season, and thanks for being a wonderful church. And then let's celebrate the churches that are able to meet. Um, it's like one guy told me in our town, he said, hey, listen, we got an auditorium that'll seat 250 people. We have about 75 people, so it's a lot easier. Um, and so just understand that we need to celebrate those who can, and let's continue to work toward the process for those who can't yet, which is, we're one of those. So um, no, we're working on it. Pray for you. And um, man, thank you so much for being part of the journey. Hey, um, if you're following along on your uh, app, you can pull out the talk notes. And as you know, if you were with us last week, we started a conversation around what I think is one of the most important private disciplines or personal habits that you can practice to keep your perspective and your heart encouraged during any season, but I think especially during this season. Uh, I think it's a habit that oftentimes is a point of confusion and frustration for many of us. And it's a subject that I've had a lot of questions about about during the season, especially this week since we started last week on the subject of prayer. And I'm so glad for those questions because it means that you're processing this and you're working through this. And, and I'm telling you, prayer is a powerful tool for any season of life, but also in these um, seasons of crisis. So to get us started today in our conversation, let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this question. Have you ever felt like God didn't come through for you in prayer? Have you ever felt like God didn't come through for you in prayer? And here's what I mean by that is you, you prayed and you prayed, but it didn't seem like God listened and he didn't act and he didn't change anything and he didn't provide what you wanted. Maybe to the point that sometimes you've wondered, is it even worth praying? 
It's like you want to believe in the power of prayer, but like, why keep talking to God when God is not doing what you're asking him to do? Now, while you're processing that question, I want you to think about another question, and that is this. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just answer your prayers the first time you pray them? Like, have you ever prayed for something for weeks or months, and then finally, after all that time, it happened, and some of you are there like, no, I haven't, because you only pray once or twice, and then you're done. But others of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You prayed for so long for something, and eventually your prayer was answered, but you wondered, why couldn't God have just done that months ago? Or why couldn't God have just done that when I first prayed about it? Because life would have been so much easier. These are such great questions, and I hope you are processing them. We'll continue to process them, and we're going to answer these. We're going to try to answer these questions for you today. I believe we'll do a good job of that. But before we do that, let me remind you that last week we began this conversation talking about prayer with another question, which is really the foundational question for how to pray bold, powerful, personal prayers with God. And so here's the question we started with, and that is this. Is it possible for God to be personal. Literally, is it, is it possible to have the kind of relationship with God that he's not just some force in the sky that I pretend to talk to, but instead you can actually relate to God in such a way that he's like a father who is active and involved and interested in every area of your life. Well, in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, the passage we looked at last week, Jesus said the answer is absolutely yes. But only if you think about prayer and conversation with God in a different way. And last week, we begin to define what that means. Last week, we said bold prayers start by approaching God, not as a force, but as a father. And we looked at a version of the most famous prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which begins with two words, two of the most important words to teach us about how we should approach prayer. Our Father, our Father, not our God, not our Lord, not our almighty ruler, not our almighty king. Jesus says, as he's teaching us to pray, we are invited to view God as we would a great, wonderful, loving dad. See, that's why bold, personal, powerful prayers begin from the foundation of a relationship. Because whenever I see God as my father, I don't feel like I have to protect myself from God. Instead, I lean into God and I say, God, I trust in you. And then since I can trust in you and I trust in you that you're a good father, then God, I surrender to you. Since I trust in you, I'm going to trust that your kingdom is greater than my own and your purposes are wiser than my own. So I surrender to you, your will be done. And then because I'm trusting you and surrendering to you, I acknowledge that I depend on you. In other words, I, I depend on you to provide what I need. I, I depend on you to forgive me when I fail. I, I depend on you to protect me from the times that I'm drifting into danger or stepping into temptation. And like any good father, I'm totally depending on you because I know that you're going to guide me and you're going to point me in the right direction. As we said last week, these three statements right here, are, they are the foundation. They are the path for praying personal, bold prayers. 
But you know what the challenging thing is? Sometimes these statements right here, they don't feel true to us. So sometimes you pray to God and God doesn't seem to listen and you wonder, God, can I really trust in you? And then sometimes you feel like you surrender and you do what God wants you to do, but it doesn't seem like it makes life better. It makes life harder. And you're not sure that you want to keep doing this surrender thing because I'm doing what you're saying, but it's not helping. And then sometimes you, you depend on God and things don't happen the way that you thought they would, or maybe you keep depending and things keep not happening and you all of a sudden think, well, fine then. I'm done depending on you. I'm just done with that. And then you create this passive aggressive relationship with God because that fine, I'm done with you. It's very passive aggressive. And then all of a sudden you start building this resentment and this anger and this bitterness that happens out of passive aggressive relationships. Now, now here's the thing. If you have ever felt this tension, here's the good news. You're not the only one. That's normal. Matter of fact, it was so normal that immediately after the passage we just looked at from last week, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, where Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, starting in verse 5, he addresses this tension we often feel when we pray. And he addresses it by telling a parable. And just so you know what a parable is, it's a made-up story designed to make a point. So let us start with the story beginning in verse 5. Luke 11, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. That's key. Keep that in mind. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is coming a journey and I have no food to offer him. So just kind of imagine you are in the first century world with no refrigeration or no microwaves or no 24-hour stores and a friend shows up at your house at midnight and needs a place to stay and then as you're helping them to settle down, you figure out they're hungry but you don't have any food or any bread to offer. So what do you do? Well, you do what you've done all many times when you needed something. You walk across the yard to your friend's house and you knock on the door because your friends, you help each other out all the time and you're sure that he'll just loan you something as simple as three loaves of bread. But here's where Jesus being the masterful storyteller, he introduces a twist. Here's what happens next. And suppose the one, the friend inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And you know, when you read that, it's definitely not what you're expecting from a friend. Now, here's where this becomes practical for us. Because some of you have felt this way about praying, haven't you? You went to God, you went to God needing something, desperately needing something, and it felt like he just kept ignoring you. And in his mind, he might have well said, hey, don't bother me. So what do you do when a friend won't help you? You just walk away and give up? Well, that's not what happens in the fictitious character in Jesus' story. That's not what he does. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. In other words, if you just have the boldness, if you just have the persistence to keep knocking at the door and knocking at the door and knocking some more at the door, eventually he's going to get up and give you some bread just to get rid of you. Your persistence will produce 
results. Here's the thing. If we stop right here in the story and God is the friend and we're the person who's asking the friend, and this story is supposed to be about getting God to answer our prayers, then it could be like Jesus just told us that God is a terrible friend who's not going to help us unless he wants to. And the only way we get him to do anything is pestering him until he gets rid of us or he's ready to get rid of us. But here's the thing. Don't stop with that interpretation of the story. Because Jesus is not done. There's so much more to the story than this. See, the point of this first part of the story is this. is when you pray, it's going to require some persistence. It's going to take some bold persistence. You're not going to get everything you want just when you want it. And we're going to come back to why persistence is so important in prayer in just a moment. But here's the thing. We want to finish what Jesus is saying. Because persistence in prayer is important. What Jesus does next is he explains how to pray persistently. Notice verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the one who knocks, the door will be open. So how do you pray persistent, personal, powerful, bold prayers? Jesus says, by giving us these three words, ask, seek, and knock, he says prayer, bold prayer, requires you to be persistent, to ask and seek and knock day after day after day. So let me just take a few minutes to kind of explain what it means to ask, seek, and knock. How, how does this work in persistent prayers? Well, just like the friend in the story, the first thing you need to do is you need to ask for God's involvement. So when you're praying, the first step is to ask God to get involved. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm already doing that. I, I, I ask God to meet my needs all the time. And please understand, there is a big difference in asking God to help you to do something for you and asking him to be involved in something with you. See, asking for God's involvement, it means this. I'm not going to assume I know what I should do. I'm not going to show up and run the show here. I'm not going to show up and take charge and try to tell God what to do in this situation. Please don't miss this. Asking God to be involved is admitting you don't know what's best. It's asking him to get involved and to show you what's best. And then being willing to follow his lead. And the promise that Jesus makes is this, is when you ask, you will receive. God won't hide from you what you should do. So you ask for God's involvement. And then when God shows you what you should do, you move to step number two. And that is this, you seek God's plan. Listen, Seeking God's plan, it answers the question, how should I do what God has showed me to do? And I'll just tell you, I think this is another great tension point for many of us. Because see, once we're aware, most of us, once we're aware of what God wants us to do or how he wants us to move in a certain direction, what happens is we often then assume that we just know the best way forward. Too oftentimes we're like, God, hey, thanks for the advice, but I can take it from here and I can put a plan together to make it happen. But here's what I've discovered over the years. And 
And I think this is so important for you to understand is that how God wants me to do what he wants me to do isn't usually how I would think to do it. It often doesn't make any sense to me at all about the process that God wants me to take. It's not what I would plan or how I would plan to go about it, but what it does by that happening is it requires me to trust God. And that's the whole point with God. He wants to build big faith and he wants us to trust him and his plan, not ours. So I have to decide, am I gonna do this my way or am I willing to seek his plan? And here's the thing, Jesus promises, when you seek his plan, you will find it. And that leads to the third part, which is kind of the answer of seeking his plan. And that is the third part of praying bold prayers. And that is you knock and do your part. See, this is the answer to the question, what should I do now? Now that I know what God wants me to do, and now that I see God's plan, what should I do? And in most cases, what you should do isn't nothing. Prayer isn't just saying, okay, I need a job, and I'm just going to sit here and, and wait for my phone to ring, or God, I need some financial margin, but I'm not going to put a budget together and live on a plan. I'm just going to keep doing what I did to get in this mess. But when I open the mailbox, I'm expecting a miracle check to be here any day now. No, no. You pray and you let God do his part, but then you do your part. You do what only you can do, trusting God to do what only he can do. And here's the thing, Jesus promises when you ask for God to get involved, when you truly seek his plan, and then when you knock, Jesus promises when you do that, the door will be open. Now, let me give you another question that really makes this practical. Do you know what it takes to ask, seek, and knock persistently? Do you know what it takes to be persistent in prayer? It takes you believing that God has your best interest at heart. In fact, that's what Jesus said God is like. He, he's really telling us in this story that God is not like the friend who will only answer the door because you keep persisting. No, no. Jesus shows us what God is and what God is like beginning in verse 11. Look at this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, literally imperfect, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, don't miss this. Jesus says that the reason you and I don't pray bold prayers is that because we keep acting like we can't trust God. Think about that. See, you keep struggling with why he won't do what you want him to do. You, you keep assuming that he doesn't have your best interest at heart. It's almost like Jesus saying, listen, even though you're not perfect as a parent, you would never do that to your children. You would never ignore your children. So here's the thing. If you're a good and loving parent to your children and you're not perfect, why would you ever expect your perfect heavenly father to not be loving and good toward you? Why, why would you ever wonder if he would do what's best for you? 
So Jesus says, listen, when you pray, you need to ask and seek and knock. But don't fall in the trap of thinking about God as an unresponsive friend when he doesn't do what you want him to do. Jesus says, no, God is like a perfect father, not an unresponsive friend. And like a great father, he knows things you don't know, and he sees life clearer than you can see it. See, and he always acts in your best interest. So when you pray and you see nothing happening or when you pray and you don't get answers, it's not because God is not listening. It's because there's something more important that God wants to happen in and through you than for what you can just get from God. See, God is concerned about building your character and God is about helping you grow and you can't do that. Your character's not going to be built and you're not going to grow relationally and spiritually with him if you, don't, if you get everything that you want when you want it. No, you know what happened? You would just be a spoiled brat. That's why part of praying powerful, bold, personal prayers is learning persistence. Because through that process of being persistent, we learn things that are so much important, more important than just what we're praying for. So let me just ask you some questions to help make this all practical this week. And you may not know exactly what the answer is today, but I'm telling you, it's so worth reflecting on this week. And that is this. Where do you need to ask God for his involvement? Like what area of your life, what decision you're facing, especially in this season? What is the challenge that's in front of you that you're facing on your own right now? Like your heavenly father says, you don't have to face it on your own. I want to be involved, but God's not going to force his way into your life. He's waiting for you to ask. So where do you need to ask him to be involved? And then... Where do you need to seek God's plan? Like, what are you trying to do your way? What, what plans have you made assuming, without even asking God, that now that you know what he wants you to do, now you just kind of know the best way forward? Or where have you not paused to consider how God might want you to handle that relationship issue or that job move or that financial challenge? So seek his plan. Where do you need to seek his plan? And then third, where do you need to knock and do your part? See, some of you, you need to knock on some doors this week. You, you need to invest in that neighbor. You need to invite them to join you and watch the service online. Or, or you need to sign up for a small group. You need to take some action. You, you need to stop just praying about it because God's already showed you what to do and how to do it. You just need to get in gear and go for it. Now, don't miss this. This is what makes this so powerful. Jesus promises at the end of verse 13, and I, I don't want you to miss this because this is so important when it comes to persistent prayer. When you are persistent to ask and to seek and to knock and ask and seek and to knock, something extraordinary happens. Jesus says that how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the importance of persistent prayer. Here it is, and you can just write this down, and that is this. The Holy Spirit moves when bold prayers are prayed and bold faith is displayed. See, when you do your part and you ask and you seek and you knock, 
God shows up in an extraordinary and powerful and personal way. But you have to be willing to be persistent in prayer. So here's the thing. Will you trust God as a heavenly father who knows what's best and may not give you everything you want when you want it right away, but knowing that that's going to grow your character and it's going to grow your faith and it's going to help you learn lessons that you need so that when you receive it, you'll be able to live what God is calling you to live and do what God is calling you to do. But will you lean in and trust God? What will you start praying persistent prayers today? Will you ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock, and let God do an amazing work in you through the process of prayer? Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your incredible goodness to us. I thank you that you love us so much that you even teach us and help us understand how to communicate with you as we learned last week, but then why certain things happen as we communicate or don't happen. I thank you for the opportunity to call you Father and to know that you're going to hear and you're, you're going to do what's best for us because you have our best interests at heart. God, I thank you for the reminder that you just don't answer our prayers immediately because that would just turn us into spoiled brats. But God, you want to grow us. You want to develop us. So I pray this week, no matter what we're facing, we'll ask for your involvement. We, we will seek the path you want us to take, and we'll knock, and we'll do our part. And I thank you that you promise that the Holy Spirit will show up, do amazing, amazing things when we really seek and we knock. God, we thank you for loving us this much, that we can experience a personal relationship with you and know that you care. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone for joining us this week. And uh, don't forget, Wednesday night, uh, we have a great opportunity experience for you online as well. See you then.